This is episode 689 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, Third Worldization, the Slow-Burning SHTF of America. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. Other benefits include members-only videos, periodic webinars, and bi-monthly online meetups. This is a great value for $20 a year. To join the community, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, last week in episode 688, we talked about three different, you know, we talked about coffee grounds, we talked about ways to reuse fruit, and a bunch of different things that I thought were very helpful. And Tracy left a comment on the, on the website, and she said, Another thing the vinegar orange peel cleaning spray is great for is to spray on ants that come in the house. It kills them immediately. And so uh, that's always good to know. It's, a, it's amazing that these household cleaners will, you know, the ones that you make, you, th- those that you DIY, can have so many different applications. And so uh, definitely something to be thinking about. And you might even want to go back and listen to that one after listening to this episode if you didn't listen to last week's. So uh, I also shared last week that I have something in the works. I'm not 100% completely ready to share that, but I promise that the podcast is going to be the place where I release it. So next Sunday evening, next Monday, when I release that podcast episode, I will be sharing this new project that I have in the works. So I'm really looking forward to it, and I believe it's going to help a lot of people. All right, so let's go ahead and move forward with our article of the podcast. It comes to us from The Organic Prepper, but it's not written by Daisy Luther. It's written by Fabian Omar, and he is uh, from Brazil. And so he's going to share some ideas and some things that are going on and some things that we really need to be thinking about. Again, the title of this message is Third Worldization, The Slow-Burning SHTF of America. There's a lot of links in this article, and there's also 52 comments at the time that I'm reading this. So there's a lot of good information here and a lot of things to think about. This is a little bit of doom and gloom, but I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going and why we really need to be paying attention to this. So let's go ahead and jump into this again. Third third Worldization, the slow-burning SHTF of America from TheOrganicPrepper.com. The developed world accustomed to safety, conveniences, and comfort is facing a slow-burning SHTF called third-worldization by some. Each time humankind faces some tribulation like the one we're currently going through, it feels like the world is coming to an end. In many senses, the threat is present. A pandemic is a serious SHTF. It is the end for many. But the real SHTF isn't just the pandemic. It's the effects on the system that Selco warned us about from the very beginning. The ramifications of such events as COVID-19 and government responses are real and long-lasting. 
Despite theories surrounding COVID-19, conspiratorial or not, the fact is real damage has happened to the economy and our lifestyle. To those who say we've been through a lot since March 2020, I'd argue we haven't yet seen the full range of consequences. Objectively, we're not even out of the pandemic. So the question remains, how and when will this third worldization play out? I concede this doom and gloom talk is growing old and burning out even among preppers, but we're not talking about probabilities. It's already happening. We must face reality and accept things are not going back to normal anytime soon, if ever. It may indeed get worse before it starts getting better again. It's past time to stop waiting for black swans and pay attention to subtle changes already underway. Guys, and I think that last sentence is very important. Um, the subtle changes that are already underway. You know, a lot of the times we're looking for these big, massive things that are happening and we don't realize or don't recognize things that are happening because they're happening so slow. It's like when you're you're gaining weight, you know, and it's like you're slowly packing on the pounds and you don't really notice it until you can't zip up those pants anymore. And then you're like, what in the world happened, you know? And so we want to be very careful of, about paying attention to what is going on around us because there are a lot of changes underway. All right, so continuing on here, it's been a different SHTF for each country, each business, each family, and each person. On a more broad scale, there's no way to tell for sure whether it will be a storm, the perfect storm, or something in between. These things unfold slowly, the proverbial frog in the pot, until they catch up. As always, multiple interests and powerful forces are acting simultaneously in different directions, which means lots of possible ramifications. Global crises affect countries in different intensities and manners. So global scale SHTF hits some places faster and worse than others. Good and bad are never evenly distributed. The capacity of a nation and its population to withstand and overcome disaster depends on many factors. These include the size, strength, and resiliency of the economy. Also, how solid, functional, and credible the institutions are the social fabric stability, etc. Those and others dictate whether a country will suffer more or less the effects of a global economic setback. But as it's happening with the pandemic, no one will come out unscathed. Some will feel the impact of migration, others eventually by war. At the same time, some will see internal conflicts, currency devaluations, martial law, coups, political instability, social eruptions, and more. Much of that is already taking place in various places around the globe. It's impossible to get the timing right or know what will happen, but trends can be forecast. These and other events are hitting differently even inside the same country. Some regions are normal while others suffer badly. That's one of the factors driving the migrational movements within the U.S. Many people are moving to different states. People go wherever they receive better treatment. So you should already have a grip on your local zeitgeist. If you don't, maybe it's a good idea to start paying attention to the social, political, economic, and institutional moods in your piece of land. That will help tell which way things go when SHTF. You don't want to get caught on the wrong side of the fence if it happens. And guys, that is one of the things that I have realized. You know, there's, there's, there's the kind of people that want to know what's going on. And it's very apparent because I know those types of articles get picked up 
all the time. And people, even on the Saturday prep that goes out every Saturday morning for those that are on the email list, I can tell which articles are more interesting and what people want to know. And it's like they want to know what's going to happen, what's what's the future has in store. But there's a lot of other people that don't want to dive into that. They don't want to know that. So I know people that say, I don't want to know. I don't want to look into that because if I do, I will not be able to sleep at night. You know, if I start focusing on that, I will not be able to sleep. And it's hard for me to understand that because I would rather know and prepare than to be unaware and then be caught, you know, flat footed. And so sometimes the, the, the thing needs, like we need to flip the script on the story that we're telling ourselves. And that's what I try to tell people is like, you're, you're listening to this stuff and then you're going to worry instead of listening to this stuff and saying, okay, what can I do to better prepare myself so I don't get caught flat footed? Because when you're in that situation where it's everything has gone downhill, you start looking backwards and say, man, I wish I would have prepared. I wish I would have, you know, purchased this. I wish I would have done that. But because you weren't willing to look at it or you weren't willing to entertain it, then you just you completely wiped it off, you know, of your mind. And the thing is, is that everybody has things that they lose sleep over. I mean, even, you know, I don't lose sleep over preparedness things and and don't, you know, I'm not worried about EM, I'm not having nightmares about EMPs and zombies or anything like that. There are things that happen like at work that I'm just very uh, invested in that I might not be able to go to sleep because I'm thinking about those things, but those things will pass. And so even these kinds of things, if you are able to mitigate issues that you need to be prepared for, then that leads to, at least in my opinion, better sleep. So if you're one of those people, or maybe you have somebody in your life that is like, I don't even want to think about that. And I've known many, many people throughout my preparedness journey who are like, Todd, I don't even want to think about that. I won't be able to, to sleep. Um, you know, it's like you want to tell them, flip the script on the story that you're telling yourself. Yeah, you might worry and not sleep. But if you think about these things and you start to prepare for them, then you feel better and you don't feel as unprepared. So anyway, just uh, my thoughts there. I have encountered many, many people throughout, like I said, my preparedness journey who don't want to even entertain what could possibly happen. And I I worry about those people because I know them. I work with them. I'm close to them. I know that if things really went south, that you know they would really feel it. So uh, if you're one of those people, flip the script or help people to flip the script and the story that they're telling themselves in their mind, you know, it's always better to be prepared. All right. So moving on. Third worldization is a slow burning SHTF for those living in developed countries used to comfort, convenience and security. Third worldization is the gradual and inevitable impoverishment of a rich country. It is the visible effect of major crisis hitting square on the population institutions, corporations, and even the government. It spreads insidiously in every aspect of daily life and our small circles. Less growth means less wealth, less money circulating for everyone to take care of necessities and obligations. This shrinking economy brings all sorts of declines that affect services, infrastructure, the supply chain, institutions, and changing the population's lives and routines. The economy has a direct impact on the structure and foundation of social order. 
As an engineer, I tend to analyze structures and foundations by force of my work before assessing other factors. If those are in bad shape, the rest can't be good. That holds true for a family, a company, a city, or a country. So the standard of living is dropping significantly everywhere. Even though the rich are getting richer, they will be affected by the destruction of the middle class and the poor becoming miserable. The wealthy don't build their own houses, grow their own food, nor collect their own trash. But like rich countries and corporations, they're much less affected because wealth can soften the blow and pay for a lot during hard times, or should I say, especially during hard times. For the rest, and the great majority of society, there's SHTF as the unfolding of the economic decline is reflected in various aspects as described below. So the first is criminality. Crime on the rise is shocking America. Many factors contribute to that. Joblessness, homelessness, financial struggle, delusionment, and anger. Dwindling resources mean a reduction in the capacity of governments and authorities to keep society safe. There's an overall defunding of not only the police, but the entire crime-fighting apparatus. Ostensive, preventative, and investigative work, departments of justice, social support, prisons and corrections, everything. So how does it play out? All kinds of crimes jump and tend to become more violent too. Expect and prepare for rises in everything from minor scams to drug traffic and consumption, bank robberies, kidnapping, arson, home invasions, homicides. Honest citizens may not engage in violent actions, but bribing, corruption, extortions, black market, misappropriations, tax evasions, and others become widespread. Sociopaths and psychopaths feel more emboldened. Rapes, killings, vengeance acts, gang wars, fights, and similar also tend to increase. Next up is homelessness. Homelessness exploded in the U.S. and other Western countries in 2020. It's still on the rise with no signs of getting better anytime soon. Some argue it's not as bad as it would have been and can become without the aggressive forbearance and moratorium programs implemented by government. But this has side effects. What will happen when these suspensions end? And if they extend, what will be the unintended consequences? It is hard to predict, but eviction waves could throw millions into the streets in months and years ahead if the crisis worsens. Homelessness can also get boosted by mass migration, as we'll see below. So how does it play out? During the 1930s Great Depression, cities everywhere saw the growth of squatter areas and shantytowns. New York Central Park became Hooverville, a giant slum right in the middle of America's biggest and wealthiest city at the time. Whole areas in LA, San Francisco, and many other towns across the U.S. have already become tent cities. These are ripe for crime, exploitation, drug trafficking, violence, disease, and political manipulation. Then immigration. Immigration is serious and can turn into major geopolitical issues in some regions. Migration waves can be impossible to contain as people desperately try to flee conflicted countries searching for better conditions elsewhere, even at great risk. Sudden, large internal movements can create imbalances internally and bring unforeseen consequences. People leave cities for the country or move to other states to avoid the rising taxes and crime, loss of freedom, or other threats. So how does it play out? Countries in better shape could face massive immigration waves. The entire network of support put in place to control, 
minimize impacts, and give immigration or immigrants support can weaken. Significant or sudden movements may overwhelm border control. Immigrants in large numbers can cripple social support systems. That makes things harder for the population, sparking crime and violent actions from both sides. Then what about private services and products? So manufacturers and companies across the board are required to cut costs everywhere to stay afloat or keep profits. It reflects directly on the quality and variety of products and services provided to the population. How does it play out? There will be an overall drop in quality and more inferior ingredients used to manufacture items and produce food. We will experience crowded, inefficient, slow customer support by poorly trained and low-paid workers. Strikes may cause disruption and delays. So if there's public or private services and product issues, then what about public services? So I have friends living in wealthy developed countries. They complain a lot about the quality of public services, the bureaucracy, the inefficiency. Sure enough, it's almost always subpar when compared to private counterparts. But they have no idea how good they have it compared to underdeveloped or even developing places. They don't know how bad things can get. Is the USPS's announcement that first class mail will have longer delivery times and will cost more a glimpse of things to come? How does it play out? Overwhelmed systems, even more disincentivized agents, longer lines, longer waiting, slow or no response, more bureaucracy, squandering, etc. Many welfare programs will go extinct. There will be lower quality education, transportation, child care, health care, etc. Strikes and corruption are other effects of the third worldization of public services. Hey everyone, I wanted to break into this episode to tell you about a new outdoor website called Rerouted. Rerouted is creating a trusted, used outdoor gear marketplace and revolutionizing the outdoor gear industry. Rerouted has built an online platform to allow customers to buy and sell used outdoor gear. Customers can create their own outdoor adventure by purchasing and using quality gear that is already in their price range. Now, Rerouted's website makes it easy to search for the gear that you want. You won't scroll through a ton of text posts. Instead, you will see tons of pictures of the gear that you can choose from. In addition to Rerouted's ease of use to purchase gear, the Rerouted team has made it very simple to upload photos and information about the gear you want to sell. Selling your gear is easy, even for first-timers. So if you haven't checked out the Rerouted site, take a moment to visit the adventure that's waiting for you. The website is rerouted.co or rerouted.co. Go check them out. I'll post a link in the episode notes to make it easy for you. Rerouted gear, sustainable future, new adventures. Now back to the podcast. Then there's infrastructure. Without constant investment in maintenance, expansion, and rebuilding, the entire infrastructure becomes derelict. More than 50 bridges have collapsed worldwide since 2015. Roads will be in dire need of maintenance. Billions of gallons of treated water get lost daily in leakages. Estimates talk about one water main break every two minutes in the U.S. There may be issues in the energy sector. Airports and ports will postpone expansions and modernization and so on. Guys, I think we've seen a lot of that already. So how does it play out? Despite talks of megalomaniac infrastructure programs everywhere to quote-unquote save the economy and promote growth, Governments love doing this when crises erupt. 
Disruptions, rationing, supply rations, closings, and more are more are much more frequent during prolonged recessions. So, like I said, uh, we've seen that. Um, it was this last Tuesday. Uh, we had uh, an extremely warm day, and so we had a. There was a, a alert sent out by ERCOT, who manages the grid in Texas about conserving electricity. And so people were flashing back to what happened with uh, the whole um, sto- you know, winter storm Uri and, and how we lost power then and there. And so um, I thought that was kind of interesting and curious that you know w- w- here we are and it's not even the heat of summer and they're telling people to conserve. Now they, they quickly changed that uh, because of, uh, I guess, all the what people were saying, you know, I mean, you heard it on the news, you heard it on social media. People were really uh, coming against ERCOT, especially so soon after everything happened in February with the storm. Uh, but, you know, that's going to happen. And then later on this week, uh, I was at work and the lights went out and I was like, oh, man, here we go. You know, I wonder I wonder what this is all about or how long this will last. And so, I, you know, other parts of the world have these you know blackouts on a regular basis you have to start to think, is this going to be something that we're going to deal with, you know? And uh, that's just part of it. And then there's so much more with the whole infrastructure stuff. All right, so moving on to sanitation. Trash removal and disposal drains a large portion of city and state budgets. As it happens to other public services, one tax revenue drops, these impacts and effects can drag on for years. Sewage and water treatment systems cease expansion and quality and safety drops. Does anyone remember the water crisis in Flint, Michigan just five years ago? So this is a quote. Nearly half a decade has passed since the water crisis in Flint captured the attention of America, during which toxic water was delivered to a city of nearly 100,000 people for 18 months before the state acknowledged the problem, end quote. Guys, that's, that's crazy. Again, if there's a reason to be prepared, and can you imagine going back to the people that I was talking about that I know that don't want to pay attention to what is going on and then this kind of stuff starts happening and there's no water filters to be bought because everyone has already bought them ahead of time or it takes a long time to get or there's no water to be bought at the grocery store and uh, you know you, d- you don't have your supply set up. Think about how something as simple as that affects everything. So how does this one play out? Those who watched the movie Joker may remember the streets full of trash, rats, and graffiti. Many 80s movies have that decadent look and feel. Dim cities with boarded up storefronts and for rent or sell signs everywhere. That's the portrait of slow burning SHTF. What's missing in films is the smell, the diseases, the flies, rats, and insects present in real life. So then let's talk about inflation, deflation, taxation, and confiscation. The inflation versus deflation debate is raging among the macroeconomic experts right now. It's a hard bet as there are pressures for both to turn out. And indeed, both could take place at the same time in different areas. It's that crazy. Prices are already all over the place with inflation running hot in some items and sectors and deflation in others. Whatever happens, rest assured the non-essentials, that's you, me, and the 99%, will be called to foot the bill, so get prepared for that. So how does that play out? Price fluctuations, insecurities, bank runs, rises in fuel affect prices of everything else. Inflation can show in perversely subtle ways 
dilutions and reductions in quantity portions effectively raise the product's price. Shortages and a drastic reduction in product variety are other common effects of highly dysfunctional economies. Taxation will explode. This is already being talked and tested everywhere. That's that's one of the things that people are um, that I know that I'm a little concerned about that taxation. I know people in my circle are talking more about it. But then there's confiscations that can happen too. So one day after taking office in 1990, the newly elected government in Brazil seized money from bank accounts on grounds to reduce liquidity and fight rampant inflation. The seizure left citizens without their savings and only 50000 in currency. It was a stupid plan that didn't work. It should have caused a revolution, but I digress. Such insanities have happened in other places in recent times. They could happen again because governments can become dictatorial and change laws and rules or do anything if conditions are in place for desperate times. So here are some other third world things that first world people might not know about yet. Just like countries are affected differently, so do the various layers of society. High levels of inequality exasperate some bizarre distortions people living in rich and developed countries might have only seen in dystopian movies. But the things listed below exist and could become a reality if things keep going south. So the social contract. Large social inequalities are incredibly poisonous. They destroy the social fabric faster than you can say, who messed with my stimulus check? Two very adverse effects are radical divisiveness and a rise in crime and violence. It affects everybody from top to bottom. Trust in other people, institutions, and even in the collective disappears. It becomes impossible to lower the guard and that is stressful. And even for those fortunate enough to get by okay, it sucks to live in a society where most of the population is struggling so hard and failing to live with a minimum of decency. How can someone be genuinely happy surrounded by misery? The answer is no one can. And guys, that's very interesting there. And I got to tell you, my message, my Sunday morning message is based around that idea. And so I am going to link to that Sunday morning message um, because if you are a believer and maybe you are missing out on some of that, maybe you need a boost to kind of get you to where you should be, or maybe you are someone who is interested in looking at, hey, you know, this this idea and maybe it might uh, spur you on to uh, greater belief. But anyway, I'm going to link to it. It's called uh, Beneath the Surface. So that'll be, I'll link to the podcast and also the video version of it if you're interested. The next is high walls. In unsafe societies, every house and building has high, as in 10 foot tall or higher, protection walls, either masonry or steel bars, lockers, cameras, electrical fences, and barbed wire. For citizens accustomed to open front yards and unprotected houses, it looks like a bunch of high security prisons, only it's in reverse. The ones locked are the rich trying to stay safe from the violent mobs. And that's something that uh, Fernando uh, Aguirre has always talked about from Argentina, about how neighborhoods came together to protect themselves. And I got to tell you, even uh, being young and visiting family in Monterey, Mexico, uh, the disparities, the economic disparities were so great. And you could theoretically have this high wall and look, not theoretically, it's, it's the way it is. You look over the wall and you see slums. And it's, it's crazy the way that it works, but it's exactly what they're describing here. 
Next are the slums, right? The favelas or slums of Rio de Janeiro are worldwide famous, shown as communities where everyone is friendly and loves to dance to the samba. It is a vibrant and unique scene in some places, but the reality is that many are unsafe. Unhealthy places where drug traffic and militia rule with iron hands. The government and public power have almost no presence and oversight. There's little to no sanitation and safety, health, education, and other precarious services. If the standard of living drops for long enough, slums may become a lot more common in countries and places where they previously didn't exist. Then there's private security. Off-duty cops do double duty as security agents or consultants for companies, commerce, and individuals, either as private guards, security personnel, or security consultants. It's not legalized, but also not enforced. Nonetheless, a big thing, an organized multi-million dollar business with huge companies competing with each other. Then there's armored vehicles. In 2014, Brazil already had the most extensive fleet of armored cars globally. Not an enviable title. I'm not talking about expensive luxury cars driven by or for the ultra-rich, high-profile personalities and figureheads. Even the middle class look for ballistic protection, especially for women and children. It's a big industry here, much bigger than in conflicted nations. Criminals are armed and violent, even against the police. When crime soars, the armoring industry booms. So preparing for the possibility of third worldization. There are no downsides to investing in awareness, creativity, mentality, and determination and some preparations. I, lo I love that sentence right there. There's no downsides to investing in awareness, creativity, mentality, and determination, and even some preparations. These are not predictions. Perhaps a chronicle of what happens in poorer countries and has happened before in rich ones during crisis. We can already see some signs and even developments. And if you believe this kind of SHTF is somehow coming your way, you may want to prepare. Here are a few tips that might help. First up, mental strength. Accept reality and learn to deal with all sides, psychological pressures, including ourselves, even though at times it may seem like there's no option. As Churchill once said, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Everyone is in this together and no one is special. Number two, one day and one problem at a time. It's easier to deal with one issue focused on what we can control and live the present, live in the present than it is to worry about the significant long-term issues that are out of our control. We usually suffer more in imagination than in reality. Guys, and that is important right there. Again, I love that sentence. We suffer more in imagination than in reality. Again, going back to that idea that I was sharing that people that I know of don't want to think about this. They won't be able to sleep this is what happens here. You start tackling the things that you're unprepared for. You start doing it one at a time. I mean, that's how you deal with preparedness. And you start moving. You realize you, you work from a plan and you realize what needs to be done. When you don't work from a plan, when you're not very strategic on how you do things, yeah, you're going to be in this chaotic, you know, need to, uh, you know, get your bunker and uh, dive into it and close the door and stay there for 20 years. So you definitely uh, face one day and one problem at a time. I love that. Independence. Realistically, being independent and living off-grid is for a few, but everyone can benefit from growing more self-reliant wherever that is possible. Grow some food, 
learn new skills, recycle, reuse, invest in generating parts of your power, build situational awareness. Again, I love that aspect of it. You want to build layers in your life, layers of self-reliance as much as possible, right? So yeah, you do have some food storage and you have different levels of food storage. You have cans, you have maybe some uh, five-gallon buckets, maybe you have some long-term food like legacy foods, right? That you're freeze-dried food that you're able to do that. But then you, you also garden. And then you're also aware of the different farmers markets in your area and you go and you make uh, friends with those people. You take time to get to know them and you get their phone numbers and you, you know, you, you build that relationship with them. And then all the other things there that, that go into that, you know, building some skills, not just sitting in front of the television, uh, you know, vegging out on Netflix all day long. Build some skills, get some uh, some true skills on how to maybe cook from scratch. Uh, man, there's just so much there, right? Um, actually, so I was going to say start a little small business, but that one goes into this next one. So this next one is financial financially savvy. Seek eco- economy and finance education as a way to mitigate or defend from inflation or deflation to invest and make money grow and last longer. Read about life in times of crisis and inflation like the 70s and the 80s. And then economically viable. Invest in alternative income sources. Today, there are hundreds of ways to make money without even leaving home. Even a little can make a difference if the belts get tightened further. You know, I listen to a lot of different uh, podcasts and some of them are marketing and, you know, leadership, marketing, preparedness. I I listen to a bunch of different varieties out there in the marketing uh, niche. They always talk about the need for a virtual assistant and they always talk about how hard a virtual assistant is hard to find. So if you are a little tech savvy or you are on social media, you can write you can, you know, you can put together an email. You can, uh, you know, so you have a, a laptop or a computer, and you have an in, you have internet access. You could be a virtual assistant, and the better you get at it, the more money you make. And there are people that will will pay for that service, and you never leave home. I mean, that's something that you can do part time. So, I mean, there are just so many other things out there. I, I share that. Um, that virtual assistant because it's so easy to get into and you can get in and you might have to pay a little bit of dues, right? You need to, might need to, you know, work for, you know, not the big, the big money that's out there. But if you go searching and you do a little bit of research on virtual assistants, the really good ones make a lot of money because they're able to do that. Because if you have someone that is willing to, or that they, they, they can turn over, they feel confident that they can turn over social media and turn over some of these things to you and you, and, and they feel confident in you, they would be willing to pay. And then there, of course, there's so many other types of businesses that you can do just from home. And there's other things that you can do, even if you wanted to work with your hands and all those different kinds of things. So lastly on this one is help others. It will be hard for almost everyone, but harder for some. If you are fortunate enough to be in a relatively good situation, look around and try to help others. It doesn't have to be with money or goods. Donate time, teach skills, even listening can bring support and relief. Helping others is a way to help ourselves too. Amen to that one right there, right? So uh, I think it's time for those that are that are preparedness-minded, that are self-reliant-minded, to be a little bit more vocal about 
where we are and, and why it's important to be prepared. I think we will help a lot of people, a lot more people, if we can help them or point them towards being prepared. And so, uh, yeah, more on that in the future. So let me finish this uh, last paragraph out. Have you noticed a reduced standard of living in your area? So have you seen a reduced standard of living in your area or wider disparity between rich and poor? Are you noticing any of the third worldization effects happening near you? Or are there some things you've seen on the news that surprised you when you realized they were happening here? Do you expect the decline to continue or to worsen? Let's discuss it in the comments. Well, guys, again, I want to say that there are like 53 comments here and uh, a lot of good information and just continuing on the, the conversation over here. Um, or the 52 comments, not 53, and a lot of links to just kind of bounce off of and go to the next thing. So if you are looking for just, I mean, this is kind of like one of those articles where you can just get a lot of information, all right? You can bounce to other things that you're interested in. And so I think it would be very helpful. So again, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, along with other great stuff. I hope you're looking at the show notes. Um, I know that I, I say this every once in a while, but uh, I'll listen to a podcast and I'm like, man, that was some real good stuff. And I go to the show notes to see what they have there and it's nothing. Or, you know, just like, you know, one one little line about, hey, come to our website or whatever. And then they, they don't even provide the link to their website. So you got to go searching for it if you want to do anything with it. So I try to provide a lot of information for you, even including the link to the episode so that you can pop over there if you want to leave a comment in episode 689. Well, guys, that's it for episode 689. Hey, to subscribe to the show, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com where we link the 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.